0: Welcome to First Baptist Church in Lawrence, Kansas. We are so glad to have you joining us today on this first Sunday of Lent, where we begin the journey to Jerusalem with Jesus for a time of reflection and a time of examination as we prepare for the Easter story. Even in this time that's extra serious for some, we remember that Jesus will light our way. And so if you want to join with me in lighting a Christ candle in your home to acknowledge that while we are set apart in this time of pandemic, we are still together and united in Christ.
1: Please join me in the call to worship. From water to wilderness, God's covenant continues, God's kingdom comes near. On stone and in hearts, God's covenant continues,
2: God's kingdom
1: comes near. From the ancestor of nations to the sun lifted up,
2: God's covenant continues, God's kingdom comes near
1: we follow Jesus on the Lenten path.
2: For where he is, we would be also.
1: also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. I'd like each of you to uh, pass the peace via text, via chat. Call somebody this week. Find a way to just let somebody know that you're thinking about them.
0: Good morning again. It is time for the children's sermon. So kids get ready in whatever way you want to to be ready for your special time. Get a little closer, sit a little comfortably, turn on your listening ears, do whatever you need to do. This is your special moment in the service. So I wonder if you know your neighbors. There are names, there are dogs' names, I wonder what you know about them. I just moved, so I don't really know a lot about my neighbors. I know the people under me have two little dogs, and that's about it. Because it's kind of hard to meet your neighbors in a pandemic when you're trying not to see lots of new people. But in, Jesus's, in the story today, Jesus talks about what it means to be a neighbor. It's a story that you might have heard before where Jesus tells a story about a man who got hurt, who was robbed and beaten up and left on the side of the road. And people that were like him, that were his neighbors, passed him by and didn't help him. But then a man from a different country, a man that didn't get along with the people that he was from, came and helped him. And so Jesus asked the question, who acted like the neighbor in this story? And the people said, the one that showed him mercy, the one that was kind to him. And so Jesus is saying that our neighbors are more than just the people around us. That our neighbors are really anyone who needs help that we can help. Jesus wants us to think bigger about who our neighbors are that our neighbors are people that don't look like us, that might not be like us, that we should show them love. Maybe the people that are a little different from us especially need some extra love. And this can be kind of hard to do, but as you practice it, you start to notice more and more, hey, that person, something happened to them that I wouldn't like to happen to me. Maybe I can do something to help them. Maybe I can show them love in a new way. One way that we're showing love right now as neighbors is wearing masks, which isn't always the most fun thing to do. I'm looking forward to a day when we can put our masks back away, but it's a way to show love to our neighbors by saying, I care about you and so I don't want to get you sick. I don't think I'm sick, but just in case, I'm gonna wear a mask. And so that's one way that we can show love to our neighbors right now. But I bet there are lots of ways that you can show love to your neighbors that are right around you and start to open your eyes to see your neighbors as other people also and think about how you can show love to them as well. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you for challenging us to see more people as our neighbors, to love people bigger and to show us what it means to love. Help open our eyes so we can see people as our neighbors and learn to love them as we would want other people to love us. Thank you for this, and help us have a good week. Amen. now time in the service to share our joys and concerns. I have a few to mention. You can also add um, some to the chat if you're participating in that way, and know that God hears your prayers and your concerns, whether they are spoken aloud and known by many or just by yourself. We'd like to um, lift up and continue praying for Chad Johnston's dad. He's beginning to wake up to um, recognize the people around him. Um, His wife is now able to come and visit him, and Chad is on his way there now to give support to his mom as um, his dad is continuing this long journey of recovery, and so continued prayers for them. Margaret Arnold has also asked for prayers. She was in the hospital earlier this week and is now Um, reflecting on what she needs to do to continue to be in good health and to stay safe. Last week, we asked for prayers for Jason Watson's grandmother in her final days, and this week we would like to ask for prayers for their family as they mourn her passing. We also want to keep in mind the local church, the broader church, in this country and throughout this world. Now, please join me in a call to confession, and then... Um, some time of silence to express your own concerns, your own misgivings to the Lord. God of mercy, we begin this Lenten season in confession. We do not live according to your ways, but according to our own. We condone violence, participate in systems of injustice, and use power to our advantage at the expense of others. Forgive us, we pray. We are tempted to follow paths other than yours that you have set before us. Teach us your commandments. Help us to turn from evil in its many guises. Turn us towards your kingdom drawing near. In covenantal love, remember us. Hear the good news. Jesus Christ, who is at the right hand of God, forgives us and reconciles us and all things in heaven and on earth. Thanks be to God for this good news. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we thank you for this new day, for the little bit of warmer weather that we're having, for the hope of spring. We ask you to grant us peace, peace within ourselves as we wrestle with our worries and cares, as we wrestle with our relationships. You know what is bothering us, God. Grant us peace that only you can give. Give peace to our nation as there are many conflicts, many things dividing us right now. Help us find ways to come together and grant peace to our world, suffering through COVID, suffering through so many things, Lord. Grant them peace. Lord, give us strength to those struggling, especially those that are just waiting for spring to come in so many ways. Especially give strength and love to the people of Texas who are still without power, who do not have safe drinking water, whose pipes have been shattered, whose lives have been upended. Give them strength to find the ways to rebuild, to restore, and to continue on. Give strength to COVID workers and people suffering and affected by that disease as it keeps on coming, as new waves come. Continue to give strength to those who are affected by this. And finally, Lord, give us grace. Give us grace to be graceful to ourselves and to others when we fall short. Give us grace to acknowledge that and to continue to work to do better. Guide us through this Lenten season that we may become more like you. And now let us pray together as you have taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven,
3: You to Michaela and to Jesse. Well tonight we begin an eight-week series, actually it'll be nine weeks because we'll skip Easter evening, every Sunday night of Reshape uh, small group ministry. And so this will be an opportunity for us to come together uh, in a large group to then break into smaller groups to discuss uh, some important things that are going on in the middle of the world and of the church. These sessions begin tonight at 6.30. Uh, you should be able to jump on the website and find a, a kind of a link to that so that you can get a, a Zoom link for our virtual meeting this evening. And some of you may be asking, well, what is Reshape? What is this all about? And there's actually several things that this is all about. The, the first is, uh, very clearly, this is a spiritual formation exercise. This is a chance to, to get together, to read the Bible together, to pray together. Uh, it's important that we do this during Lent. It's intentional that we see this as a way, kind of a Lenten uh, focus as we spill from uh, a Lent into Eastertide to ask uh, um, kind of what God is doing in our own individual hearts and minds. Uh, but then it's also missional as well. We think not only about what's happening kind of as individuals, but uh, what is happening in the church and what is happening in, in our church. Uh, and what would the uh, kind of international uh, mission uh, implications be, and, and the local mission implications, and the uh, adaptive mission implications, and what might those look like? And uh, Reshape has kind of at its core this uh, this question of uh, we basically have two options. We can either suggest that during a pandemic, uh, God just uh, uh, takes uh, takes the time off or, or disappears or is unable to keep working and doing uh, uh, gospel work in our world, or God is still at work, which is of course the, uh, the, the, the choice that we make to believe, that we think that God is at work, that mission is important as we come out of this time together. What does it look like in the days and years ahead? What is God doing in this extraordinary situation? Uh, The third thing is, uh, and this is good for those of us who uh, uh, claim to be Baptists, is is we understand that that this is a communal event. Uh, These next several weeks are going to be a chance uh, every Sunday night to come together in community to ask, well, how can we learn from each other? How can we listen to each other? How can we understand what our different experiences might bring to uh, this conversation in the future? And then we'll take those insights together. We have a, a process put together so that folks can kind of gather that information, uh, the, the ideas and the thoughts and the uh, creativity and the uh, ingenuity that you bring into those sessions will then be uh, kind of churned together and discerned into a, a process of what, what might it look like next for our congregation. So we need your voice uh, we need you to participate. And, and when I say you, let me say who I mean. I mean you. If you can hear my voice, we need you. All are welcome in this. This is not the, the kind of thing where it's uh, only for those who are official church members. If you have uh, uh, been a participant, if you've been a virtual participant and haven't even stepped foot inside of this building, you are still welcome to participate in this process. And youth, youth. Youth, I want you to look into my virtual eyes. Listen to what I have to say. We need you. We need your voices. Absolutely, if we're talking about the future of the church, we need those who will be our leaders, who are our leaders, including the youth of this congregation. The process was designed around helping to make sure you have a voice in this as well. And so all are welcome. If you consider this your church home, you are welcome to have a part in Reshape. We begin this evening. We continue in the days ahead. You are welcome to participate and ask, what is God doing today?
1: The psalm reading from Psalm 15. O Lord, who may abide in your tent? Who may dwell on your holy hill? Those who walk blamelessly and do what is right and speak the truth from their heart, who do not slander with their tongue and do not Do no evil to their friends, nor take up reproach against their neighbors, in whose eyes the wicked are despised, but who honor those who fear the Lord, who stand by their oath even to their hurt, who do not lend money at interest, and do not take a bribe against the innocent. Those who do these things shall never be moved." As I was preparing for the sentences of stewardship this week, I I started thinking about uh, Lent and giving up. And I started thinking about how I feel like I've been in Lent for over a year now. Um, But I also think back on on the week that we just went through and how much I take for granted the little things that I have every day. Last Sunday, you know, when it was freezing cold, I was sitting in my warm house with a warm fire going. And meanwhile, people in Texas were dealing with no electricity, no water, no uh, uh, running water. And it made me think over the week a lot about how I just take those things for granted. We as a church do a lot of things to help our community. We do it through our family promise. We do it through Link. We do it through helping with Habitat for Humanity. We do it in in our food pantry, in our mobile food pantry. And those are just some of the ways we serve this world. As we get ready to give this morning I'd like you to think about what you can give whether it's money or time or effort or just reaching out and saying hello to somebody that needs you to say hello to them. Whatever you can do will be much appreciated. You'll have the opportunity to give and and the the giving website is available on our on our church website. There's also a link that I think will be provided to you over the chat. And You can give virtually, you can send a check, you can drop something in the mail. Whatever you can do would be much appreciated. Thank you. Dearest Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for the many gifts that you're, you've given us and for the things we take for granted. May we, uh, May we just use the gifts that you've given us to assist others and to build your kingdom around us. We pray this all in your name. Amen.
3: I invite you now to hear these words from the Gospel of Luke. I read from the 10th chapter, verses 25 through 42. Just then a lawyer stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He said to him, What is written in the law? What do you read there? He answered, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have given the right answer. Do this and you will live. But wanting to justify himself, he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? Jesus replied, Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? He said, the one who showed him mercy. Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Now as they went on their way, he entered a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. She had a sister named Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to what he was saying. But Martha was distracted by her many tasks, so she came to him and asked, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all of the work by myself? Tell her then to come help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and distracted by many things. There is need of only one thing. Mary has chosen the better part, which will not be taken away from her. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm going to ask you to suspend reason with me for just a few moments this morning. I'm going to ask you to imagine a thing that is fantastical and hard even to make sense of. Imagine with me that uh, here in the middle of Kansas, on this cold winter with a, a pandemic roaring and a mediocre KU basketball season in full swing, you fall asleep in your bed, in your home. But then the next morning, you wake up no longer in your bed, no longer in your home. You have become James' son of Alpheus, one of the twelve apostles of Jesus. You look like him. You could tell because the, the, the people that the, talk to you are naming you as James, son of Alphaeus. Uh, you don't understand exactly how, but you can understand their language, the Aramaic that they speak. You know who you are because there are twelve of you and you're following around the guy that kind of looks like Jesus and, and sounds like what Jesus would be doing. Here in the midst of this uh, hard-to-understand moment, you, you could tell people you're from the future and you're actually from 2021 and you live in a place called Kansas, but they wouldn't believe you. So you just follow along. It's kind of like the, uh, uh, the old 80s TV show, Quantum Leap meets the Gospel of Luke. You are James, son of Alphaeus, and you have the opportunity to learn Follow, listen to the most amazing teacher history has ever known. Well, uh, scholars would actually uh, envy you in in your chance because they don't know much about James, son of Alphaeus. They don't know exactly who he is. They know he's not the other James, the other Apostle James, the the brother of uh, of, of John, the one who was uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. He's not that guy. He's another guy. Uh, they don't know exactly who he is though, they think maybe, uh, some folks think maybe that he was the one that uh, wrote the book of James, but most scholars say probably not. Others think maybe he's the same James that was the brother of Jesus, uh, most scholars think probably not. They really don't know what he thought or what he said. He has no speaking words in all any of the gospels. He is simply one of the twelve that was chosen by Jesus to follow him, to walk beside him, to learn from him. And in this inexplicable reality, you have become him. Well, never have you been more happy to be uh, somebody who paid attention during Sunday school all of those years because you start to understand maybe what's happening all around you. You understand that indeed um, you're probably somewhere near the, the border between Jewish territory and Samaritan territory. You can't really tell the difference between uh, these different people, but you know that they can. You know they don't like each other. You can tell by the cold, icy stares that the Samaritans give you as a Jew. When you ask for hospitality, it's like a a brick wall. They, They have none to give. And the other apostles with you, well, uh, they return the favor. The, their hatred for the Samaritans, uh, they grumble under their breath about them and, and say how uh, they don't like to be around them. Why are, they, why are we here? Uh, one of them even says, uh, I wish Jesus would have let us rain fire down on their heads like we wanted to a couple of weeks ago. They didn't like each other, and you, you could tell. Again, because you paid attention in Sunday school, you start to piece together the timeline of of where you are, what Luke called the, um, the time that Jesus turned his face toward Jerusalem, began that movement, that march toward his impending death. You know what's coming, but the apostles around you don't. Again, you wish you could tell them what you know, but Instead, you just listen. You understand, indeed, that here Jesus leads you town to town, community to community, place to place, teaching, healing, showing mercy to all those that he meets. In fact, one of the, uh, the first places that you uh, went that morning after you wake up, it's James, son of Alphaeus. is a, uh, a place that was uh, filled with a crowd full of Jews, full of people. And as you watch these people, just, uh, just amazed at Jesus and the words that he said, you, you notice out of the corner of your eye, a, a man who starts to kind of come closer to the crowd and then make his way into the crowd a little bit. You can tell he's a man of, of power, a man of authority, You don't know who he is for sure, but you can tell by the way he is dressed and the way that other people kind of step out of the way as he makes his presence known. And as he gets closer and closer to Jesus, he asks the question that you remember with your Sunday school ears. Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? (laughs) And you could tell by the context, you could tell by what he's up to, that this is not a man who is coming really to learn. This is a man who is coming uh, to, to show off. This is a man who is coming to, to, to show his authority, to show up Jesus, if possible. Jesus pays no mind to him at first. Well, you know the law. What does it say? And the man, as though he was reading from a textbook, says, Love the Lord your God with all of your heart and all of your soul and all of your mind and all of your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Do that and you will live, says Jesus, as he continues to teach. But the man will not be undone. He he feels, though, uh, that he he has to to one-up Jesus. He says, "Well, Well, who is my neighbor? And you could tell by the smug look on his face that he thinks he's, he's caught Jesus. He's asked the, the unanswerable question, and now his, uh, his own uh, authority will be shown. <laughs> oh, this is when Jesus begins to truly pay attention to the man. It's like a, that, that glimmer, that glint in the eye of a teacher when this teaching moment comes into their lap. Or you could tell, by the way, the man asked the question that he doesn't want an answer. He's not asking who he can love, who can be his neighbor. He's asking, what are the boundaries? What are the limits? Who's not my neighbor? At what point do I have to to draw that line? And the smug look on his face shows he has no idea what's coming. Jesus turns to face the man, but really looks at the entire crowd as he begins to tell a story. And you know the story almost by heart. You've heard it so many times. The priest comes. He goes by on the other side. The Levite comes. He goes by on the other side. And you remember in that moment, as you see these people around, uh, very clearly, uh, what's happening? Jesus is connecting that man to these men. Here's somebody who has power, who has authority, and who likewise has asked, how far do I have to go? What's the boundary? Who do I not have to love? Well, you remember the words of a scholar Uh, on the scriptures, Amy Jill Levine, who years and years ago, you remembered, uh, connected uh, this story uh, to the Three Stooges. Like there's a a kind of a triple, three-part expectation that people would have heard, just like the Three Stooges. Well, first comes Mo, then comes Larry, then comes of course, Curly, right? And that's uh, the assumption that there would be a kind of a three-part uh, predictable pattern. They knew what was coming next. And you could tell what they thought was going to happen. You could tell that what they were thinking was not that uh, what was going to actually be the case, but instead they thought that, that this, this third person would be a, a Jew like them. Just kind of a normal, everyday, regular, average, run-of-the-mill person not somebody high and powerful, not somebody like a a priest, not somebody like a Levite who helped to oppress the people, but no, just one of us. You could tell by the way they looked at each other, the way they pointed and laughed at the man who was starting to turn red. They knew they would be the hero of the story. But that's when you remember the rest of what Dr. Levine wrote. What Jesus actually meant was First comes Mo, then comes Larry, then comes Osama Bin Laden. A mortal enemy, somebody that we grumble about, somebody that we wish we could rain fire down from heaven on their heads, somebody we hate with a fear and a passion. And while you knew what was coming, no one else did. And you could hear a pin drop. As the law experts had almost no words left. But just as shocked was the entire crowd, including the apostles with whom you stood. As soon as Jesus said that word, Samaritan. (laughs) The point of Jesus' story is clear. There are no limits. Love everyone. No exceptions. Who's in front of you in this moment? That's who is your neighbor. And the crowd began to disperse quietly, silently, unsure of what they have just heard. Well, Jesus begins to lead the uh, uh, apostles and you along with them to the next town. But as you go, there's definitely an uneasiness amongst the twelve. Some of them are, are upset. Some of them are are angry. They're not quite sure what to to think. Surely that's not what Jesus really meant. Surely Jesus didn't mean, uh, love your neighbor, uh, including Samaritans. No, that's not what he could have meant. The, uh, the, 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 The guy that was ready to rain fire down on their heads was the angriest of all. You don't recognize exactly who that is, but you know you want to avoid him. He's pretty angry, as are the rest of them, saying, this is not really what we signed up for, Jesus. And so the grumbling Continued. The side conversation continues as Jesus brings you to a home in a new community, a, a place where there are two sisters who live. <laughs> of course, you know exactly who they are, but you get cold chills all over your body when you actually see Martha and Mary standing in their home, making preparations for you and the other apostles and Jesus in their house as they uh, start to get ready and start to uh, make uh, all of the preparations and get everything ready for you to make yourself at home. The apostles uh, begin to uh, a corner Jesus and start asking him, uh, teach us more, tell us more about this uh, the, the Samaritan question. Uh, we, we don't know that, that, that we, we understand it the way that, that maybe you understand it. There's something missing here. Why, why would they be a part of who we care about? So much for. <laughs> and it's this fascinating experience. For again, out of the corner of your eye, you see one of the sisters who quietly enters into the room and sits in the corner and begins to listen. As you watch her, you notice that it seems like a, a gift. The, the, uh, kind of a gift of hospitality that, that she's willing to drop everything and sit and listen at the feet of this master. A different kind of hospitality than what her sister is doing, who, who's still in the kitchen, who's still wandering around uh, making all the preparations. In fact, is getting a little nervous, perhaps a little embarrassed. You can kind of tell that Martha's not sure about what Mary's doing. She should not be here with the men. She should know her place, This is not where she belongs. And so you're ready. You're ready for the fight. You know what's coming. You're ready to to see Jesus stand up and walk into the kitchen and point his finger at Martha and say, you're doing it all wrong. But, But he doesn't. He continues to teach, including Mary, as he speaks words of gospel truth. And you realize it isn't that Jesus goes after Martha. It's that Martha comes after him. It isn't until she leaves her preparations and comes and puts her finger in the face of Jesus and Mary and say, why don't you make her do her job? Why don't you make her do hospitality the way that I do hospitality? Why don't you tell her what's right? Martha, Martha. You're worried and distracted by a great many things. And with a twinkle in his eye, that the teacher knows an object less than a a teaching opportunity is in his lap. Mary has chosen the better way and it will not be taken from her. And in that moment, you James, son of Alphaeus, in that place is an apostle, a follower, a student of Jesus. You have a moment of realization. You understand that the incredible events of this day show you indeed that, believe it or not, this is a bigger lesson that Jesus is teaching you see, both the, uh, uh, the law expert and Martha had the, the same issue, had the, the same problem. It, it wasn't as if they were doing things wrong in the first place. Jesus hardly didn't even notice them. But when they came to justify their actions, when they came with hearts of arrogance, when they came with assumptions of everybody else should do it the way I do it, I know the answers. That's when Jesus lit up. and had a word to share with each. It's as if they were missing the point. Here's a a law expert, a Torah expert, who doesn't understand that love is for everybody. And here's the the queen of hospitality, Martha, who doesn't show grace to her own sister. They're missing the point. (laughs) And you understand, indeed. That you've missed the point, too. You understand how many times you, too, have drawn a line for who deserves your love, who is your neighbor, and who indeed should deserve fire rain down upon their heads from heaven. Your heart breaks in that moment as you see yourself so much more like the teacher of the law, so much more like Martha than you'd like to admit. And yet Jesus shows you a better way, shows you the way of humility. You remember the night before this amazing day began, you were lying in your bed reading a book by Christine Walters Painter, a book called The Artist's Rule. And in this book, she talks about humility in fascinating and powerful ways. This idea of humility is, is not what we usually think it is, says Valter's painter. It's not this, oh, shucks, false humility that's really fishing for compliments the whole time. No, that's, that's what the teacher of the law was up to, looking to justify himself. And it's also not this um, refusal to believe that you are worthy, this misunderstanding of self-worth. Uh, Walter's painter writes that that so many people over the uh, centuries, especially women, uh, have understood that that they don't matter, they don't belong. That humility is is a, an assumption that they should listen, submit, obey the men in their lives. That that's what real humility is like. But that's that's what Martha thought it was. And she missed the point. Jesus, though, has a better way to teach, to show, to demonstrate through the person of Mary. True humility is about understanding who we are in our gifts, in our strengths, and in our weaknesses, in our brokenness, in our limitations, in our woundedness. Falters Paytoner, you remember, writes, about the connection between the word humility and humus, earth, dirt, ground. That humility is about being grounded, about being rooted in Christ and the way that Christ sees you. This, this rootedness, this humility is what you've learned on this day, what you've been taught by the great master Jesus the teacher, you've learned once again what it means to follow. You've learned what again it means to love everyone, no questions asked. And so that night, as you lay your head on the ground, you remember that connection. You remember the the rootedness of connecting to Christ. As you lay on a mat on the floor in the home of Mary and Martha. You have no idea what will happen. Will you wake up in your bed in Kansas? Will you have another day to spend with Jesus? You don't know, but you know that this day has been a blessing, an opportunity for you to learn from the teacher, an opportunity to understand what humility is all about, what grace, what neighbor love, what it means to love everybody, no exception. Your mind is spinning and you, you think so many things, but yet there is a peace in your heart. For you have been given a gift. You have been taught by the master teacher of love. Let us pray. Master teacher, who still teaches, who still loves, who still shows us in amazing and inexplicable ways your grace and your mercy. Teach us again what it means to follow you. In your name we pray. Amen. this morning, you have the opportunity to respond, to say that you want to follow Christ, to follow uh, into the waters of baptism. As you imagine in these coming days, as we prepare for uh, what's likely a, a baptism sometime this spring, you're invited to ask, am I ready to make that decision? Or to say, I want to join this church. I want to be a part of this congregation. As we ask, how is God reshaping us as we enter into gospel ministry as we learn from the teacher together. You'll find on the chat a way to respond, whatever your response would be as we sing our final hymn together.
2: or say May your mercy know and live
3: Thank you your participation in our service together today. There's still a lot to participate in today. It is a busy day ahead. If you are a parent of a youth, a 6th through 12th grader, uh, you are invited. Hopefully you've already received all the information about a parent meeting that will be at 1230 today, uh, just here in a few moments. If you've not received that information or that email, uh, you can zap an email to Christina and she can get you a link for that That will be at 1230. At the same time, if you are not a parent of a 6th through 12th grader, you are invited to the two-way to talk more about uh, James, son of Alphaeus, and about Jesus, the teacher, and anticipate next week's scripture as well. So those will both be at 12.30 here in a few moments. And then at 6.30, of course, is the uh, Reshape First Conversation, and that will also be uh, online. And so you're invited to have a a part in that. Uh, On Tuesday, we begin our uh, Lenten Lunch and Learn series. This will be uh, less structured than what we're doing on Sunday nights. It will be just an opportunity for you to come and say, this is what I'm thinking about the Bible. These are the things that I want to uh, study. Uh, We're calling it Choose Your Own Adventure a chance to uh, imagine together what we're doing um, with scripture in these days. And so uh, those are some opportunities that we have. Uh, of course, the, the link for the parents meeting, you could get from Christina, the link for all the other three, you can find on our website and you can fill out a form and get that so that you can participate as we continue virtually to do gospel work in these days. Now a benediction, again from Enumo Okoro, Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove and Shane Claiborne, Hear now these words of blessing. May the peace of the Lord Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you through the wilderness, protect you through the storm. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Amen.